Welcome to the Untangle and Thrive podcast, where we talk about real problems, real clients, and real solutions. Now here is your host, Angela McKinney. Hey, it's Angela McKinney, and welcome back to the Untangle and Thrive podcast. How are you guys? I hope everyone's doing well. I had, what a week. (laughs) I was so sick this week, and it was one thing after another after another. My husband had a procedure. I got violently sick with the stomach flu. And, oh, it's just the worst, you know, it's just a horrible, violent experience. And then at the same time, when you're done, it goes through you so quickly. You feel, you're just so excited to be alive. (laughs) You just want to shout, I'm alive. I'm alive. Thank God I'm alive. Um, So that happened on Friday. And then my poor dog got very sick with this horrible infection and she had to go to the ER yesterday. So there's just been all this stirring of, of yucky illness in my house. (laughs) And yet part of me screaming, I'm alive, I'm alive. So I, I want us all to just sort of scream. We're alive. We are alive. We are alive in challenging times. We're alive in this world. And often it takes a bit of a a brush with something to viscerally reconnect to the sense of aliveness. And it catches my attention because really my work, when I think about it, is all about helping people build capacity to experience more aliveness and how dead we get, right? Managing disconnection, managing unresolved relational trauma, managing a closed heart, managing a short, limited, not short, but limited life. Um, We get so caught in that crevice of, of disconnection. And, you know, on one level, it's very comfortable. (laughs) Our pain here, people, is very comfortable. Uh, We can start to nurse on it and get very comfortable in our smallness and our limitations, in our knowingness and our certainty of how miserable sort of our experiences or how, how, um, how in control we actually are. And then sometimes we need these these episodes of something, these brushes against um, sickness, immortality, fragility, um, a rupture of some sort to wake us up from our slumber, our deep, dark slumbers that we all are so guilty of nesting in. And the more um, structures in our life that force us to, to sort of break these spells, the more accountability, the more responsibility, the more, the more learning, the more engagement we, we cultivate, the more alive we become. And we really want to work with certainty and structures to support that process, not to kill us and deaden us, but to to have structures of certainty to spring us into more aliveness, right? So we're jumping in new waters. And that requires a body that's really safe to take some risk. (laughs) And that requires embracing a level of uncertainty, of the unknown, of not knowing what shape you're you're going to form into from the experience. 
And this is where it gets magical, people. This is where it gets magical. Is when we can gather certainty in uncertainty. <laughs> Does that make sense? Where we can understand our need for certainty is really rooted in safety. And we all need roots of safety in our body's experience to embrace more and more uncertainty. And people who really struggle here are people who are confused and feel viscerally unsafe. And so they, they, they grab tight. They hold on tight to rigidity and certainty, the need to know. The need to control, the need to figure it out, the need to be ahead of the trauma, to, 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 you know, to run ahead. And it creates all sorts of disorganization. And, you know, all of us need certainty because without certainty, we don't do very well because uncertainty can be a very destructive force in our life. It can really engulf us in overwhelm and immobility and collapse and despair so there's all these forces between these, this two, these two states of certainty and uncertainty. And how do we get stronger in the middle so that we're balancing them, so that we're not hijacked by them, but that we're organizing really in service to both. We're meeting both of those needs. That's a craft. There's an artistry there. And meditation helps us, right? Breath work helps us. Um, death meditations, in my experience, were incredibly helpful in providing a structure for the dissolving, the emptiness, the uncertainty, the, the seeing the body fall apart and, and, and dissolving into the earth. The earthness of our being um, supports a deep connection that I have to this process. It was interesting because I remember the first time I went on a 10-day silent retreat, which was focused on death meditations. I know that sounds so, right? <laughs> Who wants to go 10 days somewhere, not talk, and meditate on death, okay? <laughs> but I was, I was excited to go. I was in my 20s at the time. It was a long time ago. And I remember the monk guiding us through this experience. And what I viscerally remember as my first encounterment with it was once the visualization of sort of seeing my body lying there dead. That was, I was, I, I mean, I had some anxiety around it. It was not pleasant. It was uncomfortable. But the whole point of this exercise was to get myself uncomfortable and explore, right? And, and so that was okay. But then, so then the skin goes, right? And all that stuff goes. And you see the skeleton, you see your skeleton. And I was strangely comforter, comfort, comforted, yes, <laughs> by the skeleton, like how everything was put together. It still made sense in my brain. And I was, oh, okay, it's not so bad. But then when he started to have us pull the ribs away and have them dissolve into dust and dirt, and each of the bones, we did this very long process of dissolving. And there's where my anxiety kicked into high gear. 
it went right way, way up there. And it was fascinating to me because what really shifted, what changed from being dead, right, to being a skeleton that was put together to, to being of dirt. And my brain really wanted to understand how all the pieces fit. And that gave me a sense of security, certainty. And once it was all removed and deconstructed and dissolved, I was left with the nothingness, right? The nothingness. And many of us want to run, scream like feral cats away from this experience because it's very overwhelming to reconcile and confront the nothingness, right? It just is. It, to pretend that it's some easy thing to do is, <laughs> I mean, maybe if you've been meditating since you were four and this is just part of your organizing philosophy. Um, but I, I can't imagine anyone who doesn't struggle here. So how do we sort of dig in here to this dirtness of our being, the dust inside of our being, that ultimately we are of dirt, we will be of dirt. How do we get remade through the process of that awareness? And how do we open our life to, to sink into that deeper reflection? Because so often we're not in, in harmony with that. We're so constricted, holding and controlling, thinking that somehow <laughs> if we hold on tight enough, nothing bad's going to happen. Or we're going to, you know, trick it or do the impossible. We live in such a distorted sort of delusional idea about things. And so what I really appreciate about death meditations and Buddhist anchored with a monk and Buddhist philosophy is this confrontation with reality. It's not, <laughs> it sort of pulls, our, pulls apart the fantasy world. It pulls, a, it pulls out the Santa Claus God of my understanding, you know? It just shatters it. And there's a lot of freedom in that shattering. And I can understand if you're listening to me, you might be that that doesn't sound freeing at all, but there's a lot of freeing when you can start to shatter and deconstruct these delusional systems that are, are holding you in play, so to speak, in a very limited way. If you can shatter the illusion and the delusions of, of that you have control of your life, right? We have control with where we're putting our focus, for sure. There are certain things we can control and certain things we can't control. And knowing the difference is, is really critical to wisdom, to strength, to energy. But if, when you can shatter all of this, you really wake up to life in a way that I just woke up and said, I'm alive! <laughs> I survived one of the most horrific stomach flus that I've ever had. Um, and wow, that spirit of aliveness can start to bring you into your life more fully, can open your heart more fully, 
can open your imagination more fully, more widely, more expansively, right? And then anything's kind of possible. Shape-shifting is possible. Reformation is possible. Re-emerging is possible. Sort of re-arising out of the, the dust storms are possible. And how do we do this dance? And how do we embrace this deeper, this harmonizing rhythm with nature, right? Because this is the one that really is our co-creative system. You know, I think it's the artist in me. I'm not sure. I, I don't know if any of you guys are artists that I'm speaking to, but when you are cultivating craft and artistry, there, there is a, a rhythm with this spiritual concept of emptiness that you know is magical. You know all of life, all of your artistic life, and this world starts to, to get shaped inside of nothingness. You have this visceral understanding of it. And I think so many of us who aren't artists or so many people who overthink this are and, and avoid the feeling of emptiness or the feelings of nothingness, they don't realize the co-creative power to it. They don't realize that it's not just being a vacuum and just this powerless, helpless sort of state of being where, where there's no declaration, where you have no agency, where you have no say. This is a little problematic, I find, with religion or God as this outside force. You, God's going to take care of me. This is sort of a space where you're co-creating inside of something deeper so that there's an embrace with uncertainty that opens you to creativity, dynamic energy, creating something from nothing. We love doing that, people. We humans love collage work, love tearing things apart and reorganizing them in a way that makes sense. We love this. And yet we forget how to do it. We do it as children. We do it organically. We know it's not about not feeling whole. Oh, my dog is feeling much better. Listen to her. <laughs> it's, it's, it's this deeper part of us that really understands these rhythms that, of course, we don't know what's going to happen today. That's not what's we don't need to concern ourselves with what's going to happen today as far as the, these outside forces. But how are we bringing ourselves to our work? How are we bringing our hearts to our relationships? How are we creating from the wreckage of our past and transforming it? How are we taking something dark and turning it into light? How are we taking something broken and repairing it in a way that's beautiful? Not throwing it away, not disregarding it, converting it. In the conversion is energy, it's dynamic, it's, it's, it's sources creativity, right? It's not knowing ah, it's gonna look like this, but it's so interested in the journey with it. It's, it's a part of you that becomes willing to be remade by the experience, redesigned by the experience, that you're willing to jump into a new ocean 
that you're willing to go swim somewhere else, somewhere new, and not know where it's going to take you, that you're willing to be traveled through something new. That's, that's what I'm talking about. And how do we, so how do we marry certainty and uncertainty here? How do we set our, set a practice that allows us to dip into the uncertainty, dip into an experience of untangling that I call, and be remade by it, not knowing quite what shape it's going to form. When we start to gather an organizing process that supports that journey, we're actually meeting that rooted need of certainty and safety, safe enough, as I say, to lighten up a little bit, play, open up a little more, and stir some new experiences, empower some new experiences. That's where we get well. That's where we find ourselves in a new way. That's when we harmonize with the world more authentically. And that requires trusting in a process. You know, I was so traumatized as a, as a child, as a young adult, even as an adult, um, stuttered, stuck, frozen for so long. It, talking was very hard for me. Having anyone see me was so painful on my skin. But strangely, the theater space was safe. Why was it safe? Because I was, I was anonymous. I, I was in someone else's experience. I would slide into their skin, their costumes. I would contort my body into their visceral reality. I would find their voice, their rage. I could color myself vibrantly. I had permission there. And then I'd come off the stage and it would all disappear. <laughs> it would just go... But there was a ritual that I always knew I had to do before I went on the stage. No matter how much preparation I did, no matter how much craft studying, blah, 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 I had to do this process where I erased everything, where I did erased all the lines, where I erased, I didn't even know where I was supposed to stand on stage. I didn't even know, I had to just erase it all. It sounds very odd, but it, it very much is similar to a death meditation. I sort of had to take myself through this absolute, complete, I don't know state where it just, I had to let it all go. And when I did that, I was transformed through my experience on stage. I was transformed through it. I didn't know what was, I didn't know what the next thing would be that would happen. And when I didn't do it, my performance was not very good. It was okay because I had crafted and I knew where I was, but it wasn't alive. It wasn't alive. So there's two things here. One is I had spent time, which is what we do in untangling, right? We, we locate a one relationship, one area, one thing, one cluttered mess, one pile of overwhelm somewhere. And we use that relationship to wake up, to untangle us into understanding it, gathering its intelligence, waking ourselves up. There's a there's an attunement here that starts to happen and there's an artistry here that starts to happen because we are getting our fingers on a thread and we're going to pull the thread from fragmentation and we're going to start to 
build a new tapestry. We're going to start to thread into a new co-created experience from that tangled relationship. Now, what does that do? Well, it gives our brain a sense of craft, of artistry, that we're pulling things together. We're deconstructing them. We're putting them in a place that, in a way that makes sense. We're getting inspired through the process to have this new experience with money pain or money shame or um, sex shame, right? We're converting, we're rebuilding, and we're gathering vision which is kind of what the theater does. It gives you a script. You sort of know the arc of the character. You know where it's going to go. And then your job is to kind of find the essences of that journey. So if we can find and distill from all the noise of of reaction and certainty and control, if we can start to dissolve it and, and, and get down to the essences and the sparks that inspire us, the visions that emerge from the sparks, we start to get access to this new world, this new realm of possibility. It's not certain, but there's there's these things that start to shine and you're touching them and they're speaking back to you and you're in this collaboration. And then you've developed almost a script, right? You've almost given yourself the framework of a script a little bit. If this was a movie, you have this part, you have the nightmare part of the fairy tale, right? You've rescripted it, you've deconstructed it, you've brought in new players, new things to, to kind of come to the other side of it. So in essence, the artistry of untangling is a little bit of that footwork to give structure to an organizing process. As, the, as did the death meditation, it gave structure to a very deep organizing process of embracing nothingness, of embracing stillness and emptiness, of, of really confronting your bones are going to be dust and dirt. And then what? So when we untangle a mismatched message, right, whether it's my money story or whatever it is, and we dissolve it, to the nothingness or to the essence of sparks of new possibility, we create a space of uncertainty that's magical because it's co-creative. It speaks to our deeper nature, the part of us that wants to come out and bring all of ourselves to our life more fully. It's agency, it's mobility, it's purpose. It's ambition, it's contribution, it's elevating your significance. And that requires for many of us, right? Trusting in an organizing process, taking risk, getting more seen, getting more self-expressed, getting more unleashed, daring. It requires that. And we have to trust in its process. So going back real quickly to my death meditation, I trusted the monk. I trusted I was being guided through a process. And I I, I've taken that experience and it has shaped me in other ways. I've, I've built on it. 
I've, I have that experience to draw, those resources inside of me to draw upon. Often we forget all the resources we already have been through in our life. And we think, oh, I can't let go. It's too scary, right? We have to re-remember all those resources when we have let go, when we have opened up and taken a risk and tried something new. I have all those experiences in my body where I rocked myself on the side of the stage and I dissolved everything not knowing where I was going to go, what I was going to say, what I was going to do. And I trusted in the creative force. I trusted in this deeper nature, this, this part of me that could tap into trusting. And then I was unleashed and I would be taken from an experience. And that experience remade me. It gave me greater confidence. It gave me greater security that I could do it again. Often we have to reprogram ourselves into trust trusting within a process to letting go more, to opening more, to jumping in new waters. And that requires that we have a framework. And without that, I find it's really hard to just do it like a Nike commercial. I always hated those, just do it. I just wanted to kill those people. I was too traumatized to just do it. I needed a real differentiation and a real process to start to bite-size risk-taking, to start to bite-size getting more seen, to start to bite-size letting go and not knowing. So if that's for you, bring it down. Find little things that you can start to register when your hand is getting really tight and holding on and just imagine letting, opening it up, letting it go and feeling what letting go feels like. It's the same with breath, inhale, exhale. It's the same with birth, constriction, release. Our bodies are engineered. They're constantly letting go and rebuilding. They're constantly regenerating. We just forget. We just disconnect from this intelligence. So it's really about connecting deeper to your awarenesses and starting to shape from this deeper place, these deeper currents, these deeper oceans, these deeper rivers that travel us more meaningfully, more purposefully, right? Into sort of the harmony of our life. All right, people, thanks for bearing with me. I know I, I, I this was a longer one. I hope it was helpful, let me know. Hope everyone's feeling well. Hope no one gets that horrible stomach flu. Um, and I will be with you next week. You have a great day. Bye. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out our life skills programs. We take these creative life skills and integrate them into a practice. Check out the details at www.untangleandthrive.com slash program.